Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I love my job, who wouldn't, but admittedly, there are some days that are more fun than others. This is an example of one of those days. It's probably not quite as much fun as some of the others we get to have around here. Um, We knew that one of the hot topics here this week related to what happened on Saturday against Florida would be the injury status of Georgia outside linebacker Nolan Smith. We saw Smith leave the game. The TV reports were that he was not going to be able to re-enter the game and eventually kind of change out of his uniform kind of into some version of street clothes as he stood there on the Georgia sideline. And that's one of those signals that kind of didn't leave you with the world's best feeling about what Nolan Smith's status would be. Yesterday, Georgia coach Kirby Smart, during his weekly press conference, really I think the first question out of the gate for Kirby what was related to Nolan Smith and Kirby Smart did not reveal a ton of information, but certainly did not strike the most hopeful tone. This is what Smart said about Nolan Smith going back to yesterday. His availability has not been determined. It does not look good uh, for availability this week. He's got it's a pet uh, muscle. So it's um, one of those deals we've done an MRI on. We're still getting some uh, opinions on it, but he's probably doubtful for this week. So y'all know Kirby Smart loves to keep the injury information close to the vest and typically i would say leans in the direction of exaggerating the positivity of a situation more so than 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 not we hear guys could have gone back in we think so-and-so will be fine and then six months later they still haven't played i'm exaggerating slightly but you get the the point here is that smart does not like to reveal a lot of injury information and for the most part uh you know kind of underplays how hurt certain guys are so in a clip like that, when Smart says it does not look good for Nolan, and we think he's probably doubtful for Saturday, that's about as close as Kirby's ever going to get, I think, to telling you a player's not going to play. And Smart's got his you know, prerogative to, to not reveal a bunch of information. That's what he wants. I frankly don't care about that much one way or another. But that's about as forthcoming as you're ever going to get from Kirby, that a guy's situation is pretty serious uh smart not exactly striking the most hopeful tone there well since then this morning just before we come on the air there have been you know some published reports that give us even more information and assuming these are true and i have no reason right now to doubt them boy it does not look good here uh jake rowe has reported this for on three matt zenitz another reporter from on three has reported something similar in fact let me show you zenitz here on twitter from really just a couple of maybe just a few minutes ago but for the most part saying that georgia may unfortunately have to move forward without one of its top players the pectoral injury the bulldog star outside linebacker nolan smith suffered against florida is feared to be season ending injury sources tell on three sports so there's a little bit of um a little bit of you know i, I guess equivocation there can I, can I see the tweet one more time uh, if you don't mind uh, there's a little bit of, I don't want to say hedging here necessarily, but you hear, you know, may unfortunately have to, feared to be season end or ending injury. There's a little bit of a hedge there on that, but, uh, you know, you don't use a phrase like season ending injury unless you have pretty strong reporting, I'm guessing, that suggests that's a possibility. So this is very, very serious for Nolan Smith, and there is a strong possibility on the basis of this report that Nolan may be out for the rest of the year. And. If you're a Georgia fan, and I am, we are a show uh, for fans. It's a fan conversation around here. And if you're a Georgia fan, this just stinks. It stinks for Nolan personally. We obviously look forward to a rooting for him for sure. Um, but, you know, it, it's also one of those things that 
just makes it harder for Georgia, harder against Tennessee on Saturday. And then anything that kind of comes, uh, you know, after that, the absence of Nolan Smith just makes all of this much more difficult. And it's kind of funny that now that Nolan is injured, I don't mean funny, haha, I mean funny, weird, in that I'd actually been thinking about Nolan uh, a little bit lately because, in one respect, Nolan is not necessarily putting up the kind of stats that you think of a player like that putting up his stat line may have kind of always been a little bit underwhelming compared to what maybe some people had projected for him but I truly don't believe that was an indication that that Nolan was less of a player I've always personally felt based on you know conversations that I've had some public some private but I've always personally felt that Georgia had a very strong evaluation the coaches had a very strong evaluation of how that Nolan was performing for UGA not just because he's a great leader but because he was just doing his job there in the field. And to kind of accentuate this point a little further, some of y'all may know who Jim Nagy is. He's the leader of the Senior Bowl, takes place every year in Mobile. It's a basically a draft camp, right? You know, prospects go there, prospects in their final year of college eligibility. They go there to try to impress draft scouts. And, you know, one of the things that Jim Nagy always says, hey, the draft begins in Mobile. To a certain extent, that's kind of true. It's definitely kind of the epicenter of sort of the pre-draft process. And so Nagy's been around this kind of stuff a lot. The other day, he tweeted something about Nolan Smith that I think is important from a contextual standpoint here of exactly what Georgia misses when it doesn't have Nolan for the very foreseeable future, at least, and maybe the remainder of the year there as well. Let me show you this from Jim Nagy on Twitter about what he said about Nolan Smith. He says, draft followers, and this is before the Nolan injury, by the way, so a little bit different context but this is what he said going into last weekend's game he says draft followers should have learned a lesson last year with the number one overall pick Trayvon Walker that tape matters more than stats uh Nagy says NFL scouts and senior bowl folks aren't worried about uh Walker's former teammate Nolan Smith who has just 16 tackles in seven games he says that he is a high ceiling NFL starter I think it's a really interesting statement from Nagy, and I'm reading that to you as a way of kind of contextualizing the Smith injury, that in Nagy's mind, Nolan is a similar player to what Trayvon Walker was for Georgia. And that's not to say that Nolan is going to be the number one overall draft pick or will be the number one overall draft pick. That's not what I think Nagy's saying right there. What he's saying is, is there was a value that Trayvon Walker had that could not be measured by stats. He was clearly doing his job. He was clearly the kind of guy that made the Georgia defense elite, even though he didn't have the kind of stat line that you typically think a number one overall draft pick might have. But NFL scouts recognized him as a great player. And when Nagy says NFL scouts recognize Nolan Smith as a similar vein, as a great player, I think it speaks to what Georgia won't have when it doesn't have Nolan for this Saturday against Tennessee and the other big games, presumably, that it plays after that. This is just kind of a serious deal. So in light of the fact that Nolan was not likely to play against Tennessee, something that Smart acknowledged yesterday, he was asked, what about the other outside linebackers? What about the guys that kind of step in in place of Nolan Smith on Saturday? And this is what Kirby Smart said looking back to the Florida game and how Smith was immediately replaced and what it means going forward for uh, this Saturday's game against Tennessee, Smart on Nolan's position here. Well, Robert played um, his is he played a little more number of snaps once uh, Nolan was injured. Chaz did a nice job coming in. It was great to get him back. Uh, didn't know that he would have to play that much in that role. His hamstring's still been bothering him. It, it bothered him a little bit the other night after the game. So it's one of those that we're going to see how he does today and see how he moves around. Um, looking to get uh, Marvin, MJ, all those guys going. So uh, nobody really played more because it was just Chaz and Robert, really. 
So that's Kirby Smart there. The Robert he mentions is Robert Beal. Important to note that Beal was Georgia's leading sack man from a year ago. Chaz is Chaz Chambliss. We saw, we saw Chambliss in the game a pretty good bit. MJ, MJ Sherman. You know, maybe this is kind of Sherman's time to shine. And he also mentions uh, uh, Marvin Jones Jr., who obviously is a very bright prospect. And when you think about the future of UGA, I would say at this point in time, I'm not quite so sure what Jones is in the present tense for UGA as of yet. It seems like Mikel Williams is a little bit ahead of Jones in terms of likelihood to immediately impact a game. And maybe when it comes to the overall statistical uh, production, maybe that's what Mikel Williams does step up and kind of provide UGA here a bit that that, you know, hey, you need pass rush to come from somewhere. No one was probably Georgia's best pass rusher. Stats be damned. He was probably Georgia's best pass rusher. So now it's more of an opportunity for Mikael Williams, more of a need for Mikael Williams or for Robert Beal, who I mean, you go back and look a year ago. A lot of those Beal sacks, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but y'all know this is true. A lot of those Beal sacks took place after the Florida game when uh, when Adam Anderson you know, left the team for very different reasons. That's when Beal started getting after quarterbacks much more. And a lot of his stack numbers started building right there. Maybe there's a chance the same thing happens. Admittedly, I'm sort of reaching for whatever positivity I can find here, but maybe there's a a, a case that's true. Uh, maybe this is, as I mentioned a moment ago, MJ Sherman's you know time to shine on this. But let me also say this there as well: that some of the discussion about replacing uh, Smith is not just about hey, what do you do at outside linebacker? You know, this is one of those things where you can kind of also look to other positions here too. Because Smith, in addition to being an outside linebacker for Georgia, was also in a lot of ways the avatar for this year's defense, kind of the way that no, that uh, uh, Jordan Davis might have been kind of the avatar for last year's defense. When you close your eyes and you picture uh, the Georgia defense, who's the first player that comes to mind? Maybe J.D. was that guy for you last year. Maybe Nolan's that guy for you this year. So now when you close your eyes and you picture the Georgia defense, you sort of have to think about a new face there, and it gives – Javon Dumas Johnson a chance to be that face I think Javon Dumas Johnson had an outstanding season there's some chatter I think privately that hey maybe as a second year player he's actually ahead of where N'Kobe Dean was last in 2020 or the way where Roquan Smith was in 2016 not ahead of those guys as third year players yet that's not the stage of his career that he's in but ahead of those guys as second year players yeah maybe there's a chance that's true we've even talked about that year before right now I think that Christopher Smith has the look of a uh, of a defensive MVP type player for Georgia. I don't know that Georgia is getting a better season from a defensive player right now than it's getting from Smith. And I say that with due respect to everybody else. I think that Smith could win the uh, Thorpe Award as the nation's best defensive bat. He is the next in the line of what Georgia always seems to have, which is a truly elite safety. All of a sudden, his role, I would think, is magnified more because of not having Nolan Smith. And admittedly, I'm kind of like grasping for whatever positivity I can find here, but Nonetheless, since I'm telegraphing my move, let me do it. If we're going to acknowledge that the Nolan Smith injury by appearances is worse than we hoped it would be and maybe worse than we imagined it would be, I do think you have to keep this in context with some other injury news for Georgia that to me was way more positive than I expected to be. Y'all, I didn't expect Jalen Carter to play last Saturday against Florida. And certainly didn't think when if he did play, he'd play well. And I mean that even after there had been some internet chatter on the Saturday morning that Jalen had come to the team uh, with the team to Jacksonville. I told some people at the tailgate on Saturday, he may be here, but I don't expect him to do much because he's been hurt. He's not really been practicing. Well, I was wrong about that. Jalen played way better than I thought he was currently capable of, given the injury situation that he'd been dealing with. He became a very effective pass rusher. Didn't get a ton of sacks, but but certainly his pass pressure was prodigious there in that game. And in fact. Jalen 
actually not only impressed me and did more than I thought he was capable of doing, Kirby Smart said something kind of similar himself there on Monday. So we're reaching for whatever positive we can find in light of the Smith injury. So here is a little bit of positivity when it comes to Jalen Carter actually being a little healthier than maybe some of us assumed he would be. Kirby from yesterday once again. He played uh, probably better than I expected. You know, when y'all asked me after the game, I didn't didn't really know. I didn't know how much effect he had. He he was in on run. He was in on pass. Uh, he executed well. He held the point. Um, he didn't feel like it bothered him. You know, so it's really about stamina and uh, him being able to hold up and condition. And it's one thing he's been doing a lot of lately is conditioning when he hadn't been practicing. So we hope to have him in great shape, and hopefully he's he's able to go and be full speed. So when Carter got hurt the other day or when we realized that Carter was dealing with a lingering injury the other day one of the things that I said feels appropriate to restate here right now that sometimes when it comes to injury situations the truth is kind of somewhere in the middle like there's a temptation to want to be excessively fatalistic about Nolan Smith's injury oh that's it the season's over with and I don't think that's true but on the other side it's not as simple as saying ah next man up you know turn the page you know move on to the next man I don't quite think that's quite so true either that this is not a even if Smith's injury is a season ender it doesn't have to be a season ender for Georgia but it's not as simple as saying put a new outside linebacker in and just go to work the same way you were before it is a challenge to replace Nolan but this is a Georgia team that knew it would face some challenges along the way to go for two in 22 now they just simply know what one of those challenges is you're going to have to go out there and thrive without one of your best defensive players, without one of your spiritual and emotional leaders. You're going to have to do that. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's also not impossible to do. And on Saturday, in the biggest game that's ever taken place in Sanford Stadium, we'll see the first glimpse of exactly how Georgia tries to get it done. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us. Whether you join us at 945 for our first and 15 on dognation.com, the Dog Nation app, or 10 a.m. after that on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all kinds of video platforms, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and as a podcast, the Apple Player, Spotify, all those podcast platforms, just really happy to have you with us. And if you're listening to the show right now, Radio Podcast, you don't get a chance to see what our video audience does. We try not to do a lot of stuff around here that's video only, but one of the things that our video audience is seeing is our brand new Go For Two in 22 logo. This is one of those things we kind of wanted to freshen up and kind of get jazzed up, beefed up for the big game on Saturday and what we believe is a mission that extends beyond Saturday. Admittedly, the Nolan Smith injury puts a little bit of a dampener on that. Won't deny that. But, hey, Go For Two in 22 is still on, and overcoming challenges and dealing with adversity is just a part of any championship season so this is no different than that so we're happy to debut the brand new logo a lot of two fingers in the air in jacksville on saturday a lot of hashtag go for two and 22 being shared on social media it is exciting to see it all and we're happy to have you with us for it here today by the way big thanks to our friends at engineered solutions of georgia for making today's show possible there as well now they're the one you turn to for your foundation your waterproofing issues got a little bit of rain uh this morning as i was coming in a little bit of rain here this week and sometimes when it rains at your house that can be the kind of thing that makes you get a little bit of a pit in your stomach makes you nervous a little bit because you know water is going to creep in where it's not supposed to be you see those wet spots in your garage your crawl space sometimes you see just sort of standing water in your basement that's the 
Not a good thing. You already know that to be the case. And that's where Engineered Solutions of Georgia can step in. They can also step in for you when it comes to those cracks in the walls, those signs of what could be a foundation issue. Listen, your home is your most important investment. It's your financial thing. It's your emotional thing. And you want to protect it. And when you see something threatening it, you want to step in and stop that. That's what ESOG does. They're a proud partner of UGA. Makes them fun to do business with. Always great to support those that support the dogs. They are longtime friends of ours here on Dog Nation Daily. And I am certainly grateful for your support of those who help keep the lights on around here for us. And ESOG is as good as anyone for us when it comes to that. But they also have an unprecedented level of resources they want to put to work for you. They have an entire team of engineers on staff. There's nobody else in our market that can say that for you, doing that kind of work for you to take care of your foundation and waterproofing issues. So give them a call. Number easy to remember. Simply dial 678-ESOG now. That is 678-ESOG now. That'll get you in touch with our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. All right, we're going to get Connor Riley here in a moment. We'll talk more about the Smith injury with him and what to expect from the Vols on Saturday. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse. Oh, yeah, and let me also say this, too, for those of you who are kind of just checking in with this podcast and everything else. Before we're done today, our buddy, the great former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm, going to be back on the air with us. Some of his big moments in his career happened against Tennessee. Obviously, he has some interesting insight into what this Tennessee offense looks like right now and uh, what Georgia can do to stop it. So we'll talk to Jake about all of that here coming up in uh, just a moment looking forward to that but before that around the doghouse presented today by our friends at georgia's own credit union tonight's one of those fun nights that in one respect kind of doesn't really matter but i still sort of get into it because just i like the debate the first cfp rankings are going to come out and i would say there's a very real possibility that georgia's not number one and i would say that there is a very real possibility i don't really know what the overall you know likelihood of this is but there's a very you know uh, legitimate possibility that tennessee the, the opponent for Georgia on Saturday could be the team that is ranked number one. If I had a vote, I'm ranking Georgia number one. I, mean, I think the Georgia resume right now stacks up better than anyone else's. But at the same time, whether Tennessee's ranked number one or ranked number two, ranked whatever, I think that Tennessee right now has shown me enough that they are worthy of being among the top teams in the playoff rankings. We sort of typically think of that sort of top four with those next couple of teams sort of floating below that. You always kind of see that graphic uh, on, on the on the TV broadcast. I mean, whether Tennessee's one, two, three, or four, there's no doubt that I believe that Tennessee is a worthy team ranked in the top four based on what they've done thus far this season. And given what Georgia has done for thus far this season, I believe the most worthy of being the number one ranked team, this does set up one versus two, one versus three, whatever the rankings end up being, this does set up the kind of game that's sort of bigger than it's ever been before inside Sanford Stadium on Saturday. This is a Tennessee team, maybe even so begrudgingly, but now, nonetheless, that has kind of earned my respect. And I was kind of thinking about this a little bit. And there's a chance that I'm wrong because this is kind of only just sort of like in my head. You know, y'all may kind of say this a different way. Would you agree with me that the stakes in Saturday's game are higher for Georgia than they are for Tennessee? That let's play this out here for a moment. Let's say that Tennessee loses on Saturday but wins out. They'd be eleven and one. They likely wouldn't win the SEC East, but they would have a victory against Alabama. They, to me, would be in a similar position to what maybe Bama found itself in being in 2017, or maybe even the Bama version of 2011. Boy, Alabama's won a lot of national championships without having to win the SEC. That's interesting. But nonetheless, they'd be kind of like that version of that team. Whereas if Georgia, playing at home, were to lose this game and then not win the SEC East. It seems like if you're thinking about that extra SEC team in the playoff, doesn't it seem like the part of the committee 
they might have an easier time excluding a Georgia team that lost the division, lost the game at home. You know, and if you're looking at two SEC teams there, you end up taking Tennessee and Bama. The two teams will have been played each other twice, assuming that Bama beats LSU on Saturday, wins the SEC West. I'm kind of sort of workshopping this in my head. Maybe I don't have all the details worked out. Maybe some of you could kind of make the case where I'm, I'm not, you know, thinking of something. I'm not saying that George would be eliminated from the playoff discussion if they were to lose, because there's a chance they wouldn't be. Um, you know, certainly they would stay alive, you know, in, in the playoff race in some form or fashion. But it does seem to me like the stakes are a little higher for Georgia on Saturday than they might be for Tennessee. And we're going to see how that chatter goes as you kind of work your way through the week with those first CFP rankings coming out tonight. And I believe in ask Connor Riley about that here coming up in just a moment. For now, though, I'll tell you that it's uh, around the doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union. Of course, plenty of coverage of the college football playoff rankings coming up tonight. And, of course, around the doghouse presents this coverage to you here as a part of, uh, I should say, Georgia's own credit union presents this as a part of around the doghouse here today. And Georgia's own credit union can also present something else to you there as well. How about one of those Visa Signature and Platinum cards? It's a great way to kind of get more benefits out of the things you're already doing, Make, making purchases this time of year. Some of you digging deep to purchase some of those Georgia Tennessee tickets for Saturday. Uh, well, listen, if that's what you're doing, how about get something to go along with that when you use one of those Visa Signature and Platinum cards? You're going to get some flex rewards, which can be used for just about anything. I'm talking about gift cards, cash back, travel, merchandise, so much more. You can also earn up to $150 when you open a new uh, Platinum or Signature card. There are some restrictions that apply, so uh, you want to find out more details online, georgiasown.org for that. It's georgiasown.org for more uh, details on that. And as you're moving towards the holidays and traveling with the dogs or whatever you're doing, let that Visa signature or platinum card from our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union go with you on that. So it is busy right now. Uh, Nolan Smith is injured, feared out for the season. That's what the published reports say. Uh college football playoff rankings come out tonight i think there's some legitimate mystery about where georgia will be ranked where tennessee will be ranked and what it sets up for on saturday uh and everything else kind of in between we'll get jake from on a lot of this stuff later on but for now uh let's talk to Connor riley let's do a kroger fresh take with him here today on dog nation daily from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead Here's a DogNation.com insider. It's a Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here today on Dog Nation Daily. And uh, there is a lot of news to discuss. And for Georgia, not all of it is good. Um, Connor, let's start with the Nolan Smith injury. And let me begin with this here for a moment because I've been asked this question. Some people don't really kind of know how the news gathering process works. Um, you know, on three, a couple of their reporters, uh, including guys that we know, have have reported that Smith – and the, the words that Zenitz used, Matt Zenitz was, you know, feared out for the year, likely out for the year. You know, how much of a hedge is there here that, hey, maybe Nolan Smith is not out for the year and, and, and maybe, you know, maybe, you know, miraculously he does what George Pickens did and, you know, comes back late in the season. You know, you know in, in your mind, you know, having you know, covered this story there as well, are you now closing the door completely on Nolan playing this year? Difficult to say because, you know, with peck injuries, I think you've seen guys, you know, I think Ray Lewis is a classic example of this. Now, granted, he was using an illegal substance and aiding his comeback there. Um, you have, you know, uh, T.J. Watt, who is, I think, similarly trying to come back from a biceps injury right now where it was thought, you know, when you have these kind of upper arm injuries where no one has a pectoral injury, you think surgery, he's done for the year. There might be some holding out of hope that maybe if he's willing to put off the surgery, he can come back in time for potentially the college football playoff. But I find that to be extremely unlikely. And 
from my gathering on this, if it is a torn pectoral, with the NFL draft coming up uh, for Nolan after this season, and I think he's going to want to show teams what he can do. Uh, I think Nolan Smith has probably played his last down as a Georgia Bulldog, which is just incredibly sad because it is. I'll, I'll be personal here. Nolan Smith has been one of my favorite players to write about, to get to talk about, to get to tell people why he is great. He's been an awesome interview, an awesome representative for this University of Georgia. And as we're going to see in these coming days, and as I've already written a story about on DogNation.com, there's not one player that can replace or replicate yeah. what Nolan Smith did. It's going to take a village to replace all that he did for the University of Georgia. Yeah, Nolan to me has always given off good dude vibes, and I don't know him personally. Um, you know, uh, you know, don't know that side of him, but in terms of what we see from him, his public persona, he just always kind of comes across as a good dude. So he's always been an easy player to root for, and you better believe I'll be rooting for him if he doesn't suit up for the dogs again, which it seems like he probably won't. Um, you better believe I'll be rooting for him heading towards the spring and we're on the dog nation cruise next year. I'll be, you know, really hoping to hear that name called and he, uh, you know, works his way back on all of that. Eventually, obviously we will, and he'll have a great NFL career and we'll be rooting for him to do that there too. And I think your point is also well taken here as well about, Hey, it's not just slot an outside linebacker in and, and, and replace Nolan. You got the position that must be filled outside linebacker. You've got some statistical stuff that void kind of has to be filled there as well, which may be a different type of name. Uh, and I think there's also kind of. The word I've used here, Connor, is the avatar. I think when you close your eyes in 2021, you picture the Georgia defense. To me, Jordan Davis was the avatar of this defense. He may not even have been the best player. You know, you can make a strong case for Nicobe. Trayvon was the number one overall pick. But to me, Jordan Davis was the avatar for the defense. And I think that Nolan may have been the avatar for this year's team's defense. And all of a sudden, that spot's also up for grabs here as well. So, I think you and I are kind of on the same page. I know you've written about this at DogNation.com. This is not a. This is not about who's the new outside linebacker. This is about you know how many different people have additional responsibility now, even guys at other positions because no one isn't out there. Yeah, and I think your avatar comparison there is a great one. And if I'm going to throw out a name here, you know, obviously Robert Beal is going to play a lot more. Chess Chambliss is going to play a lot more. I hope to find out more about Jalen Walker tonight and get to talk to some players and some people around the program about the role that he's going to have going forward. But the guy that I think is going to step into Nolan's shoes the most directly is Jamon Dumas-Johnson, mm-hmm. especially in terms of becoming the face for this defense. Because, you know, sort of metaphorically speaking, you know, new guy, first time started for this defense. There was so much turnover from a year ago. He's going to be the guy that becomes the vocal leader for this team. He's already been a multi-time captain. He's been really impressive to me this season and what he's been able to do and how he's been able to go out and play. I don't know what his ceiling is, but I told you on Saturday, and and I'm not the first person to make this observation, he is farther along as a true sophomore than than both N'Kobe Dean and Roquan Smith were. And that's not saying he's ultimately going to end up being as high-achieving as they are, but he's a darn good player, and we're going to learn a whole lot more about Jermon Dumas-Johnson starting this weekend against Tennessee because that's going to be a raucous environment. It's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. He's going to have to work his butt off to both communicate to the defense to get everyone lined up and also to make life miserable for Hendon Hooker in that Tennessee offense. So, you know, Nolan Smith, I, I would absolutely agree with you, the face of the Georgia football defense and probably the Georgia football team mm. in 2022. And I think Jermon Dumas-Johnson is the guy that I'm most interested in seeing how he develops and evolves over these next couple of games without Nolan. So let me ask you two things about the outside linebacker spot and kind of sort of edge rusher spot. Let me just sort of say it that way. Um, if I'm going to be the most optimistic fan here, like one of the things I am hopeful for is, 
hey, you know, maybe maybe the, the light, I mean, I think the light's already on, but maybe it's about to come on even more for a guy like Mikael Williams. How much could you see Mikael Williams becoming even an additional pass rushing force here as you move into the most important part of the regular season and obviously the postseason that comes after that? You know, you know, how good can Mikael be down the stretch here for Georgia? So I would actually push back a little bit here and say Mikael isn't the freshman to watch sort of emerging as a pass rusher. Uh, you know, he, he has taken he he has not you know taken the steps forward that you would have that I would have liked to have seen over the course of the season to lead me to believe that he is poised for a bigger uh, impact, especially in the wake of the Nolan Smith news. I think the guy to watch for is Jalen Walker. Yes, mm. he is listed as an inside linebacker, but they have used him as an edge rusher. They used him as an edge rusher in third down packages against Florida. He is incredibly quick get off, a very twitchy linebacker there. While ultimately I think he's going to make his home at the inside linebacker position, if you're looking for a freshman defender to make an impact in terms of what they bring as a pass rusher, I actually think Jalen Walker is the guy to watch here over the stretch run. I was very impressed with what I saw from him against Florida, and I think you're going to see him take on an even larger role as a pass rusher in these coming weeks, especially without Nolan now. That's a very interesting answer. I guess let me also ask, because people are going to bring this name up there as well, and Kirby mentioned it to a degree yesterday too, and that's Marvin Jones Jr. And listen, there's not a negative tint to this. I just don't really know right now at this stage of his career what Georgia has in Jones. I know what I believe he can be before his career is done, but I don't really know that I have much of a sense of what he is right now. I even had a smart person suggest me the other day that maybe he's not 100% healthy here at the moment, which I, I don't know if that's true or not. I just, you know, it, it's part of the uh, chatter there. I, it's all meant to say, I don't really know what Georgia has right now in Marvin Jones Jr. Do you? Um, yeah, no, we really don't. I look forward to, you know, asking Kirby Smart about him tonight. Uh, he's been battling the flu, and that's why he did not play on Saturday for Kirby Smart. Uh um, you know, I, I think he's been dealing with a little bit of a shoulder injury going back to the preseason. It may have limited his impact that he's had this season, but I think he's a guy where you're going to have to find out now what you have in him. You know, you go out and sign him as a five-star pass rusher in the 2022 recruiting class, and, you know, when you lose a player like Nolan Smith, you're going to find out what you have in those young guys there. So I think Marvin Jones Jr., maybe not necessarily this Saturday against Tennessee, given the opponent, but over the next couple of weeks, I'm very interested in seeing how Georgia goes about developing him and trying to get the most out of him in this now very important freshman season. All right, let's talk about the Tennessee offense here for a second. Connor, when I watch this team play, and listen, I got respect for Tennessee. They've had a really good season. I think that you can see lots of examples of year-over-year dramatic improvement. So no beef with me right now, kind of including Tennessee in the sort of category of top-shelf teams. We'll get more into that in a moment. But here's the one thing for the life of me I can understand. How come Jalen Hyatt's always so wide open? Connor, there's not, there's not anybody within 15 yards of him in the Alabama game, but even like the Kentucky game, sort of the same way there as well. People must know that he's good. Surely to goodness, Connor George doesn't let this guy be open by 15 yards on Saturday. I swear to you, there's not a defender near him on half these catches he gets. How are they doing this and getting Hyatt so dadgum open? Yeah, I, I think it's a perfect marriage of scheme and player. Uh, Hyatt is absolutely a burner and a guy that can get behind secondaries with his natural speed. And I mean, look, this is you know a, a product of the Josh Heupel offense. They spread you out. They force you to get in one-on-one situations and force your cornerbacks and, and safeties to play perfectly. And Alabama very much did not do that. Kentucky, we saw this past weekend, did not do that. And that's going to be the challenge for the Georgia secondary this weekend. And I will know, you know, in the way Alabama went about trying to attack the Tennessee offense, they tried dropping guys into coverage. They only blitzed on about 5% of their defensive plays. It was a season low for them. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely did not work. So I would expect Georgia to try something different and maybe 
bring a little bit more pressure to try and speed up Hendon Hooker, you know, run a game plan similar, I think, to what you saw in the national title last year against Alabama with running some simulated pressures there while trying to keep him contained in the pocket. And if he does break contain, that's what you send inside linebackers like Jamon Dumas-Johnson and Shmel Munden after him. Uh, I, I think with Hyatt, they're going to put him in the slot a lot, and they're going to ask a lot out of both Chris Smith. But if I'm Tennessee, I'm going after Malachi Starks. And it's going to be really fascinating to see how a true freshman in Starks, who has been incredibly impressive this season, holds up against what has easily been the best wide receiver in America to this point. And that is the matchup that I think is really going to determine things. I think George is going to be able to hold up just fine on the outside with Brew McCoy and Cedric Tillman with what they have in Keely Rigo and Kamari Lasseter. But how Georgia goes about defending Jalen Hyatt in a way that nobody has been able to do so this season is absolutely going to be a major key on Saturday. I had a fan, a Georgia fan, in one of our comment section of the day bring up a, a comparison the other day, and I have thought about it ever since then. And sports fans just sort of speak in the language of comparisons. That's just how we talk. And people want to kind of compare the Tennessee offense to whatever else. The comparison that makes the most sense to me, this is something that a fan brought up, and I don't remember who it was, but it was, I thought it was a great point. It's 2017 Oklahoma. And – to me, the reason why I think that comparison works, I'm not talking about like the scheme stuff. I don't even really care about that. I'm talking about the fact that going into that Rose Bowl game, I was deathly afraid of all the bodies you had to throw at the passing attack, and you created opportunities for that Oklahoma running game. And in the first half, Connor, and you'll remember this, Georgia almost got knocked out of that game, and a lot of that was because of what Oklahoma was doing on the ground. I think that Tennessee right now is a little bit the same kind of thing. If you throw like seven defensive backs like Georgia did in the 2019 uh, SEC championship against this Tennessee passing attack, this is a Vols ground attack that's averaging more than 200 yards per game on the ground. And against certain opponents, they have been happy to feast on the ground. You know, I think you have to be respectful of the Tennessee ground attack on Saturday. And that's one of the reasons why they're so successful is they do put defenses in conflict. You have to think about both run and pass. And it'd be really nice if Jordan Davis was playing this game because it's obviously way easier to stop that run when you've got a defensive tackle like that. Right, yeah. Rodney Anderson ran for almost 200 yards yeah. in the first half of that Rolls Bowl game there. I will note, uh, you know, Kirby Smart came out in his opening press conference after the Florida game and, and, and did speak about, uh, you know, the importance of slowing down the Tennessee rushing attack. You know, yes, you mentioned not having Jordan Davis. Do you know the Florida rushing totals from Saturday? And again, this was an offense that came into the country, that came into Saturday's yep. game, leading the country in yards per carry. I do they know. Ran the ball. Yeah, they, they 2.9 for 100, right? Times, yeah, 34 times for 100 yards, 2.94 yards per carry. Yep. So this Georgia defense has figured some things good out, point. and they do get Jalen Carter back, who I thought he looked really, really good on Saturday with what he was able to bring, playing 20 snaps. I would expect maybe a similar snap load for him this week. Maybe you're able to get that up to 25, 30. You're, not, you're never going to play defensive lineman 40, 45 snaps, especially against the pace with which Tennessee plays. But you're getting that version of Jalen Carter with what you have across the rest of that defensive line, what you have in that front seven. I know you lose Nolan Smith, but they were without Nolan Smith for almost the entirety of that game against Florida where Nolan had only played five plays. And so I think that what Georgia has in this front seven, I think this unit has gotten a lot better than maybe they have gotten credit for. And I think with the depth that they have there, they are finally starting to get healthy there, obviously with the exception of Nolan Smith. I think this front seven is well positioned to maybe go out and make a statement this week about, hey, you know, yeah, Florida is Florida, but if we go down and we turn Tennessee into a one-dimensional offense, and this is a part where Kirby Smart, you hear him talk so much about playing complementary football. 
Tennessee has the number one offense in the country. Georgia's right behind them at number two. Yeah. And they play complementary football in the sense that while Tennessee is 125th in the country in time of possession, Georgia is fourth. Yeah. So in this sense, a great offense where you are keeping Tennessee's offense off the field, going on long, sustained drives, is only going to help your defense more. And I think this is an example of where you see complementary football that Georgia is playing could really work into their benefit against the Tennessee team. Let me squeeze in one more thing before I let you go and kind of jump to the last thing I wanted to talk about here with the rankings coming out tonight. I sort of have the belief that the stakes are higher for Georgia than Tennessee. And maybe I'm wrong about this. Like, this is not one of those things I've like fully formed in my mind. I just sort of kind of thinking about this, that if Tennessee loses on Saturday, especially if it's close, they're not going to win the East in all likelihood. Georgia would still have to win twice on the road. But but uh, but it's one of those things where 11 and one, the only loss on the road to the defending champs. That's a pretty strong resume where if Georgia were to lose at home, to the Vols, and all of a sudden it's a rematch between Tennessee and Alabama in the SEC championship, then maybe you just sort of take those two teams into the playoff, especially if it's a split decision between the two there. Am I right about this in your mind? Is it more important for Georgia to win on Saturday than it is for Tennessee to win on Saturday? It absolutely is, especially we'll even talk about this from a playoff standpoint. Uh, I think, and this might sound controversial, I think Oregon's been better than Alabama this season, but you listen to any national media person say, oh, the Tennessee's got the best win in the country. They beat Alabama. I, I think Georgia's win against Oregon is a little bit better here, but because it's Alabama, because of the chokehold that that, hat, that Alabama has on the national media, that Tennessee's going to get the benefit of the doubt there. And Tennessee is absolutely a media darling right now. They score a lot of points. They throw the ball around. They look There's a newness to them that I think people want to see from them. I mean, people are making the absolutely ludicrous comparisons to 2019 LSU, yeah. uh, you know that team had Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, who went in and became top five NFL wide receivers right away. I, I don't think this Tennessee team has that same level of talent there. And having said all that, the Tennessee team is very good. I was thoroughly impressed with how they beat Alabama and the way in which they beat Alabama, beating them in a four-quarter game and taking punch for punch from Alabama and getting there and doing it at the end. I, they are absolutely capable of going in Athens and winning on Saturday. As you point out, I think this game means a lot more to Georgia right now than it does to Tennessee just because of the resume factor and the fact that right now, and we've seen this all season, this Georgia team just for whatever reason is not getting the benefit of the doubt that say in Alabama or say in Tennessee is. That's a really interesting point. I got so interested in our conversation. I forgot to tell folks, this is our Kroger Fresh Day with Connor Riley here today. And of course, Kroger coming up, it's got the great Kroger Chef Jr., the guided kids cooking experience. Gives your children a chance to learn how food is prepared and be a part of that process. Coming up on November 5th, that's uh, coming up really soon here, and November 12th at Select Kroger locations, you can be a part of this 30-minute class here this month, and the item for this month are the festive fall muffins. How much fun does that sound? Festive fall muffins at just $7 per child. In addition to cooking the actual item, you can also get an apron and a patch, a chef hat, a recipe card and box, and a mini muffin pan. It's all just $7 per child. You can find out more by going to KrogerChefJr.com. That's the word junior's spelled out j-u-n-i-o-r krogerchefjr.com for a lot more on that connor truly excellent stuff appreciate that we love your coverage here this week getting ready for the big one on saturday and we will look forward to talking to you again soon yep as always it was a pleasure let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through all right really good stuff there from connor riley we're gonna have jake from here coming up in a couple of minutes there as well. Before that, though, let me remind you, it's time to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And, boy, there's a ton of SEC news. We'll look forward to getting to uh, all of that here. 
but also we're looking forward to that end of the year there as well. I was thinking about this as we were talking about earlier, you know, NFL draft coming up. The final night of our Dog Nation cruise in April culminates with the first round of the NFL draft. And last year we had this unbelievable draft party. It's like right there on this like sort of top deck of Independence of the Sea. It's almost like our own perfect like little rooftop bar, kind of like our own personal Dog Nation VIP section. This was incredibly fun. It was such a great time, and I can't wait to do that again this upcoming year there as well. We've already gotten such a huge response to this, and we encourage you to be a part of it. RoyalDogs.com, that's the website, RoyalDogs.com. You can learn more about the specific information related to this year's Dog Nation Cruise. That means not just the really fun stuff you do on board Independence of the Seas, the specialty restaurants like Playmaker Sports Bar and Grill or the special lounges that are that are there as well. But you can also learn more about the specific Dog Nation only things, the stuff that you get only as a part of a Dog Nation cruise. So uh, RoyalDogs.com is a great way to be a part of that. Our good friend Jessica Slater, a terrific travel agent. Jessica's awesome. Uh, she's my personal travel agent. I use her for uh, bookings that I'm a part of, and I make a lot of bookings. Uh, Jessica's going to uh, uh, be great for you there as well. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147, 770-718-9147. And when you talk to Jessica, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say, hey, BA said tell me more about Icon of the Seas because we're going to be on, on board Independence of the Seas, and I'm looking forward a couple of times here to be on Wonder of the Seas. That's the newest Royal Caribbean cruise ship, but it's really the newest for now because here coming up very, very soon, we're going to have... Icon of the Seas debuting January of 2024. It's going to be sailing out of Miami. It's going to be a cruise ship unlike any other that we've ever seen. It's really redefining the cruise experience. You've heard me talk about this before. In addition to water slides, you're going to have like a basic a water park. It's like a theme park at sea. It's like a city at sea. It's like everything you could ever want from an entertainment perspective. All on board Icon of the Seas. It's going to be phenomenal. So, let Jessica tell you more about that, and you can find out more about that, and you can get going on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. Look forward to that on the other side of the season. After we celebrate, go for two and 22. The best way to have that celebration is right there with the uh, with the Royal Caribbean cruise vacations, and I can't wait to be a big part of all of that. All right, so I'm going to kind of call an audible here on the fly for a moment. There is so much SEC news we need to get to, and I just don't have time to do it as well as I can. So, Michael, can we do this? Can we just bring down the music, bring on Jake Fromm? Let's go ahead and talk to Jake Fromm, and then when Jake is done, and yeah, you can go ahead and kill that music all the way if you want to. When when uh, Jake is done, we'll kind of get more into the turmoil at Auburn, the turmoil at Florida. Always fun to have uh, Georgia rivals kind of in a mess. But Auburn has fired its coach. They've hired a new athletic director. I think there's something you kind of read into the AD that was hired there that gives you a little bit of a glimpse in the future. We do have some very big names who are kind of emerging as potential candidates for this uh, Auburn job. And I think that's going to be worth watching for Georgia fans. Also, meltdown in Gainesville as it relates to Florida. I, I, I don't want to not give those stories the attention they deserve and i want to make sure we get our next guest on here as well because obviously we know he's got a lot to say as we head towards the big one there on saturday it is the former georgia quarterback jake Fromm here on dog nation daily jake i know how busy you are right now uh obviously with the uh, washington commanders there first of all congratulations with that and thank you so much for being a part of our show again today and we hope you're doing well hey brandon thank you very much i appreciate it and uh yeah, man, hanging out, having fun. Uh, we got a big game going on this weekend. Excited to talk about it. I am excited about it there as well. And I guess, if you don't mind, as a quarterback, can we talk about the Tennessee offense here for a moment? Because I think those of us who are not trained eyes, and I'm not a former coach, I'm not a former player, so I'm watching this from, from their perspective as a fan, 
But it's obvious there are things about this Tennessee offense that are different. You see it more from the perspective of, you know, having, you know, been in an offense and obviously competed against, you know, teams in the past. When you look at the Tennessee offense as a quarterback, what stands out to you and what makes this both different than what you typically see and as successful as it's been so far this year? Yeah, I think what they do, they do such a great job of taking advantage of space on the field. Uh, They spread people out. They really isolate the one-on-one matchups that they want to attack. Uh, and then they do a great job with tempo. Uh, they speed it up. They slow it down. There's an in-between tempo that they do. Um, and then right now they're executing at a really high level. Uh, Hooker is throwing the ball really well, uh, completing balls, taking advantage of those one-on-one matchups that you know, we talked about. And um, Man, it's, it's hard to stop right now when they can click it, when they, they're clicking, throwing the ball, and running the ball as well. One of the things we found out from Georgia today is there's it certainly appears that Nolan Smith is not going to be playing on Saturday and there are some reports out there that he may be gone for the rest of the season you know you know this about Nolan Jake he's a obviously a very important player on the field but he's also an incredibly vocal leader he's I just think when you close your eyes think about Georgia football this is one of the first players that comes to mind you know this team well how do they respond knowing that they're not going to have their guy out there right now you know how difficult is it but also you know how well equipped is Georgia to kind of you know, find some new leadership and some new production and some and, and some new faces. You know, how does Georgia manage what's going to happen now with Nolan Smith uh, by appearance is sidelined here? Well, I, I hate it for Nolan. Um, super sad to hear about the news on him. Um, and I hate it for the team as well because uh, you mentioned it. Nolan is a leader. Nolan has a presence. Um, you can't walk into that building and not hear Nolan Smith's voice. He just He's just part of that. He's a vocal guy. He's just he's all around. That's just that's just what he is. Part of his personality, part of his uh, persona, um, and they're going to miss him, uh, especially on the field as well. Um, but it's going to be kind of a, a new opportunity for a guy to step up um, and take advantage of of this. Um, Kirby obviously recruits very well. Does a great job of molding players uh, into being really good players. So going to be a great opportunity for for them and whoever wants to step up and and be a big-time playmaker for the defense. You obviously know the history of the Georgia football program. You're a big part of that history, and I think you understand the context that people would mention when they say, hey, this may be the biggest home game that Georgia's ever played. Can you imagine that? And I guess as a player yourself, how much would you love to be a part of an atmosphere of the likes of which that Georgia's going to experience on Saturday where fans are already being challenged to be as loud as they can? Tickets are going for like $1,000 right now, if not more than that. You know, you, you've, you've played in a lot of big games at Sanford Stadium. You know the history of the program even before you got there. What do you think about the idea that they are saying, and I'm, I guess I'm saying this too, there's really never been a game in Sanford Stadium bigger than the one that's going to take place on Saturday? Look, the argument is definitely there. Uh, this is a big-time football game. Uh, I mean, any way you want to swing it, slice it, it doesn't matter. This is a big-time football game. It's an SEC football matchup. This is, um, you know, we, we got to win the East to get to the SEC championship. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is it. This is uh, how we get there. Um, and I, I love that Kirby's already challenged the fans to come out and say, hey, if you have a voice after this football game, you didn't do enough. So, uh, I love that coming from him, and um, man, I, I just I hate I'm going to miss the atmosphere because I know just just how crazy and nuts it's going to be. I want to ask you one more thing about Tennessee before we let you go, but before that, you know, I guess back on the sort of X and O's part of this, the uh, the game itself. What did you see from Georgia offensively on Saturday? There were some turnovers again in the third quarter. 
uh, you know, a fumble, you know, a couple of interceptions. One of those is kind of just a good play by the defense back to sort of wrestle the football away from Dom. But, you know, for the good and the bad and kind of everything else in between, what was your evaluation of what you saw from Georgia offensively on Saturday? I think there was a little bit of, of everything going on on offense. Uh, obviously, we, we don't like to see the turnovers. That's the only reason that game was somewhat close on paper. Um but I tell you what was very pleasing to see uh, was late in the game running the football, imposing our will uh, with a physicality, with a toughness, saying, hey, you know what we're going to do, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. So mm-hmm. that was fun. And I, I think we're going to need to have that, and you're going to see that come up uh, later in the season, maybe even this weekend uh, in a four-minute offense situation where, hey, we're, we're ahead and we need to put this game away and eat this time off the clock and not get Tennessee's offense another chance at it. So – that could definitely come up in this game, and um, we definitely got some practice in it uh, against Florida um, and running the football. So, and listen, and, and, and Jake, maybe I'm weird about this, but I actually kind of like that version of Georgia football where you are throwing it but also running it. You know, in the Oregon game, not to nitpick a 49-3 win against a team that's turned out to be really good, but that was mostly just throwing the football. You didn't have a lot of you know rushing attack there that day. And when I think about what it's going to take to win a national championship again, you know, the fully formed rushing attack like you did see versus Florida, to me that's a nice step forward for UGA. I want them to throw it. I think when they do throw it, they've thrown it pretty well here this year. But you want that running game to be a part of that there too. Yeah, so the, the way college football has evolved, and it's evolved very quickly over the past couple of years, you have to be able to throw the football in order to win big-time football games, SEC championships, uh, playoff games, and then obviously the national championship. you, you got to be able to throw the ball. Uh, but what you want to see is be able to run the football efficiently and effectively, um, getting a good yards per carry, um, getting first downs uh, like on your third shorts and on your fourth downs when you need it. Um, and then looking at the situational football late in the game, four-minute offense, and be able to say, you know what we're going to do, and you still can't stop it. So that, that's, that's what I want to see, and that was very pleasing to see uh, last weekend, and, and hopefully they uh, continue on with that because I really think they're going to need it in this game coming up. All right, let me finish with this, Jake. Uh, obviously, when we think about rivals for Georgia, we think about the Florida game. I talk about that all the time. The Auburn game, everybody knows that. But – you know, I think for you in particular, I think back to that 2019 game when you sang Rocky Top, you know, at the end of your press conference and <laughs> the way in which Kirby celebrated on the field that night, he and his family kind of jumping into the stands, kind of doing that version of the celebration. I got the sense from y'all in 2019 that you understood the Georgia-Tennessee game as a rivalry, even though at the time Tennessee really wasn't all that good, but it was still special to beat the Vols, and that obviously takes an additional context because now they are good again. What do you think Georgia-Tennessee does mean to the Dogs? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it means uh, a ton. I mean, you, you, can, you can list off a couple uh, rivalries here and there, and, um, I mean, Tennessee's always going to be at the top of the list of anybody's list, and uh, it's a big-time matchup. Uh, anytime you go into Neyland Stadium especially, um, that's, a, that's a tough win. It really is. They're always going to play tough and play close, and I'm um, excited to play them at home this year, and um, I think they're going to need every ounce of help from the fans and um, a good focused mindset going into this football game. Jake, I really appreciate it. Congratulations again on uh, you know what's going on with you on the NFL side of things and the fact that you take time to be with us. It uh, just means the world to us. We really appreciate that. I wish you could be in Athens on Saturday, but I know you'll be watching it close. You know, Maybe even like the national championship game, kind of hold off in some hotel by yourself somewhere. But either way, <laughs> we're just happy to, uh, to have you out there. And, of course, we'll look forward to getting your thoughts on that uh, game. Hopefully a Georgia win coming up very soon. 
Oh, yeah. We'll be watching. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, good stuff there from Jake Fromm, the uh, uh, great former dog and a guy who just kind of understands all of this and, you know, singing Rocky Top after the game in 2019, you know, part of that celebration and just knowing the history of all this. Uh, Jake is a uh, really good guy on all of that. That is uh, really good stuff. So I want to get back to the SEC thing, as I promised. Also, don't forget, coming up on uh, Friday, we'll have Go With The Flow presented by R.S. Andrews. We'll make our picks for the big games. And, of course, throughout the week, we'll be kind of previewing some of that. And when we do, the point spread information that we share with you, all coming courtesy of our friends at MyBookie. Of course, MyBookie, uh, a great place for you to go if you want to get some action down on Saturday's game. There's been a lot of talk about this point spread. Georgia, big fan kind of narrowing in the direction of the Tennessee Vols and kind of holding steady with the dog's favorite even in a lot of the injury situation Georgia's still a prohibitive favorite here in this game on Saturday a lot of folks have a lot of opinions about that well if you want to put your money where your mouth is when it comes to your own opinion and then make a little bit of money because you know how to pick these games our friends at my bookie great place to go for all of that when you open up your new account at my bookie you're going to get a big deposit bonus just for doing so, up to $1,000. That means you put $800 in your account, they're going to give you $800 in your account. You're going to have you know more money in your account than you started with. You're already a winner before you even win your first bet. That's what MyBookie can promise for you. So find MyBookie online. Use the promo code DOGNATION. Uh, let the internet do the work for you. The browser will kind of get you there. And then when you get there, as I said, use the promo code Dog Nation. Get signed up for your account. You put in $500. My book, you'll give you $500. There, it's a big deposit bonus. And then after that, you play, you win, you get paid. It's winning season right now at my book. College football action. And by the way, uh, you got Maction coming tonight. We have... Uh, this is a sort of stretch in the calendar where I think we have a football game on TV like 27 nights in a row or something crazy like that because you got the match and stuff during the week now, which is uh, kind of fun to consider. And obviously, you know, NFL is like every night of the week now, too. So uh, there's a football game, I think, pretty much every night on TV for the next month. So my bookie, a great ally on your side as you kind of roll through all of that. So find my bookie online. Use the promo code Dog Nation. Get the big deposit bonus. But that only happens when you use the promo code Dog Nation with our friends there at my bookie all right let's talk for a moment about the big news from the sec so brian harson has been fired this was bound to happen it was going to happen harson total failure when it comes to what's required in the sec burned every bridge recruiting could not retain staff could not win games against power five opponents and he's been axed there's little debate at all about whether this should have happened needs to happen it's just the way things are going to be so the only question now is to talk about what happens next and here's where things get really fun. Now, obviously, if you're a Georgia fan, you don't want Auburn to hire a good coach. And, you know, uh, you know, certainly there's something to be gained by Auburn hiring a bad coach. And, you know, I am still kind of transfixed by the drama here between some of the big names that are going to be a part of this. You know, Deion Sanders' name has been mentioned. How serious is that? I don't know. I, I do believe that Dion is deserving of a Power 5 job. I think if Dion is smart, he might want a different one besides Auburn because of the egos that come with the boosters. You know, Dion is primetime, but a lot of Auburn boosters think they are primetime. You know, a lot, a lot of these Auburn boosters think they're the Dion Sanders of whatever field they happen to be in, whether it be banking or construction materials, whatever else. They sort of think of themselves as the Dion Sanders of that profession, <laughs> of that field. And so when it comes to sort of butting heads with a guy like Dion, they sort of think they are their own version of Neon Dion in, in that particular respect. So Dion might be happier somewhere else, but his name is going to come up here, the Under Armour tie. It's going to be one of the reasons for that, but you'll hear some of that. I think the two top candidates for this job might be either Hugh Freeze or Lane Kiffin. And I don't mind telling you, Lane Kiffin has been a better coach at 
Ole Miss than I thought he would be. Even this year, you know, after the embarrassing loss at LSU, kind of bounced back and got the road win at Texas A&M. We'll probably talk more about that a little bit, you know, at some point in time this week. We just haven't had time to. We've had so much else going on. But Kiffin has proven himself to be a somewhat substantial figure as the Ole Miss coach. But this is also a guy that I believe has been in kind of a subservient role to Nick Saban. He sort of treats Saban as if Saban is his father. Uh, you know, or certainly a father type figure, you know, I, I think he just kind of plays a little bit of a subservient role to, to Saban. It's one of the reasons why Saban seems to publicly like him so much and kind of vouch for him so much. Saban was a source for a story at ESPN.com a year or two ago about uh, uh, Kiffin. I think Saban likes Kiffin because Kiffin defers to Saban, something that guys like Jimbo Fisher and Kirby Smart are just not quite so willing to do. Um, and so if you're Auburn, do you want a guy like Kiffin as your coach when one of the things that that Kiffin is sort of famous for is being rehabilitated by Saban and therefore always forced to pay tribute to Saban every year of his life after that. I, I don't know. By comparison, even though he kind of comes with some baggage, both in terms of the recruiting stuff and obviously the personal behavior stuff, if you push that aside, which is not easy to do, but if you push that aside, I think I'd rather have Hugh Freeze than Lane Kiffin. Because the one thing we know about Freeze is, is that Freeze is not a guy that necessarily pays deference to Saban. Freeze is a guy that's beaten Saban twice. You can say what you want to about the way the talent was acquired that led to those wins, but in Oxford in 2014, in Tuscaloosa in 2015, Hugh Freeze beat Nick Saban. Hugh Freeze is a good coach. He's got Liberty playing very well right now. They're going to play as a ranked team against Arkansas on Saturday. And by the way, the Arkansas schedule... (laughs) I mean, can you imagine how tough this is? Like, you're playing the full-on SEC West. Your non-conference games are at BYU, which they did win, and BYU's turned out not to be very good, but it's still traveling to Provo, Utah. And now you're playing ranked Liberty. Like, that's the craziest schedule in the world. But the point is, is that Hugh Freeze has the Flames playing pretty well right now. Um, And he clearly had some success in the SEC before uh, the personal demons kind of got in there a bit. So... Um, if 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 Freeze is viewed as hireable again, I think he's a better fit for Auburn probably than Lane Kiffin is. That's probably my opinion on that. As far as the other big news that came out at Auburn yesterday, and this is kind of the precursor to the hiring, or I should say the firing of Harson, is the fact that John Cole was hired as athletic director. Now, it is very obvious here what Auburn was doing. Auburn wants to be SEC again. You know, by hiring Brian Harson as your uh, head coach, you're bringing kind of Mountain West, Boise, Idaho into the SEC, and that didn't work. Alan Green was kind of a non-entity as athletic director. He didn't work. But what they've done is go out and hire Cohen, who most recently was the athletic director at Mississippi State. Cohen's also a guy that, uh, you know, kind of grew up around Alabama. I think his, one of his parents was sort of affiliated with the University of Alabama. He's, he's had multiple ties to different SEC programs. He's been the athletic director at uh, Mississippi State now for a little while. He stepped in as a replacement. Scott Strickland left to go to Florida. So this is a guy that's been around the SEC. Auburn pretty clearly has targeted SEC names as its athletic director because the guy that apparently turned the job down was Hunter Yurichek, the Arkansas athletic director. He made it kind of a big show about staying in Fayetteville and got uh, well-received there for that. But between Yurichek and Cohen, it's obvious that Auburn wanted the SEC athletic director. Now, one of the interesting backstories here is what I've been told, rumor mill would have you believe, is that there was a little bit of a wrestling match between Auburn boosters and Cohen about this job that Cohen wanted 
uh, some assurances that he was going to be able to run the athletic department the way that he wanted to, hire his own football coach, in other words, and the Auburn boosters obviously don't want that to be true. <laughs> like They don't want autonomy for the people that are brought in here. They want those guys to be subservient to them. And so apparently there was a little bit of a wrestling match between Cohen and the Auburn boosters, as the rumor mill would, would suggest it, over just how much influence and control Cohen would be allowed to to wield in, in a job like this obviously he made it be known that his first move would be firing Harson because any you know you know right thinking ad would want to do that so cohen is here kind of trying to reestablish the sec bona fides of a program like auburn now looking towards you know pretty big names in the coaching front guys like kiffin guys maybe like Hugh freeze guys like Deion sanders i don't know if it works out good for auburn if it works out well for them but it's going to be probably entertaining uh, and so that is what's in place there at Auburn right now. Then another Georgia rival also dealing with its own version of turmoil yesterday. Uh, Brenton Cox has been dismissed from the Florida program. It started off as reports and rumors and basically ended up being confirmed by uh, Brenton himself. And this is not a good look. And, you know, listen, I said this the other day as it relates to some situation that like the only old phrase, you know, uh, what patriotism is the last refuge of a scoundrel i'm not even really sure where that came from but that's like an old phrase maybe you've heard that before i think the college football version of that is like discipline is the last refuge of a failing football coach now listen i'm not saying that billy napier is a long-term failure i hope he is but i'm not saying that's true but this is clearly a failed season for florida and you see coaches do this all the time and napier is the latest example of this when the season's a failure when there's no wins to be had you pivot towards discipline because what discipline becomes is kind of a tacit excuse for why you're not winning. Hey, we're not winning games, but man, we're cleaning up this locker room. Hey, we're not winning games, but we're fixing the culture. You know, we're not winning games, but we're getting rid of bad apples. And it just so happens that the bad apple has now been removed the day after the Georgia-Florida game. You know, the day after, it's pretty obvious that there's nothing left to play for here this season. So this is coaching 101, the part of Napier, kind of leaning heavily in the direction of discipline and establishing a culture once it's obvious that you couldn't sort of sell yourself the traditional way which is winning football games so now they're going to kind of lean the direction of sort of player discipline and listen i'm not gonna say anything bad about brenton cox because the most part we just don't really trash players around here even when you know saying critical things would be certainly warranted in this case it obviously is but boy think about all those florida fans all over the years who you know were just celebrating dan mullen for having gotten brenton cox i mean like just do a search of that alone on whatever social media platform you prefer how many Florida fans years ago thought Dan Mullen was some sort of hero because he got Brenton Cox? And here we are, you know, one day or two days after the Georgia-Florida game of 2022, and neither guy's with the program. Brenton's not there now. Uh, you know, Mullen's not been there for more than a year. I mean, it just sort of shows you just how much the Florida program have just been grasping any kind of straw they can find to be relevant. And you rarely see this with rivalries, but in this particular case, it's as true as ever. Everything that Georgia fans have ever said about Florida has been proven to be true. And everything that Florida fans have said about their own program has been proven to be a total, you know, falsehood. Mullen, what he was going to be able to do, what transfers like Brenton Cox are going to mean, wrestling him away from Georgia, they thought, all of that's been proven wrong. Just a really embarrassing chapter for Florida. And obviously for Napier, you assume it's probably going to get better at some point because it can't get much worse. Uh, this is not a program that's had a professional face now for a couple of years. And Napier is trying to change that, but it's not obvious it's going to happen just because you want it to. Just because you want to doesn't mean you get to. Uh, but the challenge facing Billy Napier in the future is certainly a significant one. 
And uh, that's our SEC news for today. Cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Let me also give a shout out to our friends at the Durham Law Group. Of course, they bring the entry update to you on Saturdays on our Dog Nation post game, or should say our, our Dog Nation uh, uh, Kroger kickoff pregame show. And unfortunately, there's more injury news to be had today. But either way, if you've been injured yourself, the Durham Law Group, a name for you to know there because they're going to make you right. They're going to make you whole. They're going to work for you to get you what you deserve if you've been hurt on the job or injured in an accident or anything like that. Our friends at the Durham Law Group are going to be there for you because they don't just practice personal injury law. They define it. Uh, and one of the ways they do that, no fees, no expenses, unless you win. That is what the Durham Law Group is all about. You can contact them for more information today. Give them a call, 844-4-GA-HURT. That is 844-4-GA-HURT, or visit them online, georgiahurt.com. That is georgiahurt.com for a lot more on that. All right, one of the things you may have noticed is that yesterday we did not do what we had been doing for quite some time, which was our Gator Hater Updater, which was counting the days since Florida's last won a national championship. That number continues to go up day after day after day. And who knows, from time to time, we may pop in and kind of give you a milestone number as those continue to climb because we don't think that trend's changing anytime soon. But I think for now, it's time to stop focusing on Florida's national title drought and Georgia's national title pursuit. In fact, if you don't mind changing the camera angle here for just for a second, we have a brand new logo for those of you watching on video for our hashtag go for two in 22. That's the mission that Georgia's on right now. And we get the brand new logo. It looks great. Go for two in 22. And that's what we're all about here right now. So from that standpoint, we're going to keep our attention on that. Of course, we're still doing golden shoes. In fact, we got a great one to give you here today. Uh, it's related to uh, Halloween. Dustin Hansford shared this with me. He says, happy Halloween. Can you find the difference? Is this golden shoe worthy? And he gives you hashtag golden shoe, hashtag dog nation, hashtag go for two and 22, which is great for Dustin. So what this is, this is him with his mullet and then Tate Ratledge on the other side with Ratledge's mullet. In fact, these are very good costumes, very good uh, likeness of uh, Ratledge. The uh, mullets look very, very similar on that. In fact, Dustin's tweet even got the attention of Tate Ratledge, who said it was legendary. So we appreciate Tate weighing in on that. That's really funny. And uh, obviously, Dustin sharing that there as well, including the hashtag go for two and 22. You certainly get yourself a golden shoe there for that. And have no fear. The one thing that is never going away around here is our Gator Hater Countdown, because we want to let you know in 362 days, Georgia back in Jacksonville, beating up on those lousy, stinking Gators. Once again, it's actually 361, I believe, for today. But a 360, uh, 361 days from right now, Georgia back in Jacksonville, beating up on Florida again. We can't wait for that. It's a year from now. A lot of business to take care of before that. Of course, we'll see you tomorrow. Back here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. Of course, R.S. Andrews is when you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised. The price is promised. You can trust them on all of that. Um, Jay, uh, actually, Seth Rhodes shares this with me on Twitter. He's at Seth Ofet, a uh, good Georgia fan. He says, I have started referring to our stadium as Dooley Field at Sanford Smart Stadium. Is that wrong? That's kind of funny. Um, obviously, Kirby Smart getting the nod there because of his uh, national championship and the success that he's enjoyed, which maybe one day he will have his name on all kinds of stuff. But the other thing that you know, Seth kind of mentions there that I do kind of bring to mind is, is that it is Dooley Field at Sanford Stadium. And, you know, I remember – 
when Coach Dooley went to the hospital a couple of weeks ago and he was not at the Auburn game. And I remember how, I guess, emotional that was for me because at one point in time I was kind of standing in the field, kind of look up there and you sort of see the sign, Dooley Field. I actually kind of tweeted it out that day that I was praying for his recovery and happy to be standing on the field that uh, bears his name. But just like one of the things you should understand, this is not really a sign of disrespect. It's just kind of the way in which life, you know, kind of operates sometimes is that people have a tendency to kind of just sort of keep doing what they've always done. Like, you know, the official name is Dooley Field at Sanford Stadium. But for the most part, people only say Sanford Stadium, even like the media reports kind of only say Sanford Stadium. And part of that's because Dooley Field at Sanford Stadium is a little bit of a mouthful. Um, And you know typically you know shorter is better usually for like regular media stuff but i do think you know it would be appropriate to consider if you know the actual place that georgia plays shouldn't be referred more frequently as dooley field at sanford stadium you know i don't hate to make a comparison to georgia tech because most georgia fans don't want to be like georgia tech at all but um like one of the things that tech fans like to do is they like to say the full name of their stadium, which is, I guess, Bobby Dodd Stadium at Historic Grant Field. It was called Grant Field first, and then the Bobby Dodd part was added later on. They kind of just always sort of rattle that off. And I would never say that Georgia should be like Georgia Tech because hopefully we're, you know, as different from Georgia Tech as you can possibly be. But, um, but I do think that taking time to refer to the full stadium more frequently might be a good way to honor coach Dooley's legacy you know Dooley Field at Sanford Stadium which is not to say that every time you have to say this to your you know friends hey you're gonna be at Dooley Field at Sanford Stadium on Saturday but finding a way to say it a little bit more often that might be a good thing and getting a little bit more mileage out of the fact that the field is named for coach Dooley that might be a good thing there too if you missed yesterday's show we played some audio of coach Dooley when the naming ceremony occurred and how proud he was to have been connected to that and so you know continuing to share that love after his passing by making more common references to that name i think that might be a good thing that's not what seth was bringing up with his tweet but it is what i thought about so we'll make that our rs andrews podcast cool down for today and invite you one more time to check out rs andrews online rsandrews.com if your water heater goes out in many cases rs andrews can replace it for you the same day if you've got an electrical issue or something like that any kind of heating plumbing air conditioning electric they got all that stuff covered for you so find them online at rsandrews.com have a great day we will see you back here tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia we'll look forward to talking to you then